This podcast is brought to you by Learn Prime. Start your journey to becoming a great developer at learn.thoughtbot.com. Hey everybody, this is Gordon in Boston. And this is Mark in San Francisco. And this is Build Phase. Build Phase. We should have done this episode from, like, like I should be out at, like, 4th and Market right now at the Apple <laughs> store, the flagship store. Yeah. Like, talking to people in line. Just random people. Just, yeah. Like, asking them what they think about, like, UI view controller containment. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be fun. <laughs> Give me a nice little segment. That would have been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> How do we you feel about uh, Bluetooth 4? <laughs> <laughs> nothing? You got nothing to say? It's low energy Weird. now. Weird. What do you think the impact is going to be for the 64-bit apps in your life? <laughs> And they're like, no, 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 I'm getting the 16 gigabyte. <laughs> like, okay, very good. Yeah. Very good. All right. Um, Josh Clayton just admitted to not ever having seen Airplane either. I got to go. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I was just about to go walk into the sea. <laughs> good God. What's wrong with that boy? I don't know. And he's your and he's your managing director now. Yeah, and he hasn't seen Airplane or Spaceballs. I know. Let me guess. He hasn't seen Blazing Saddles either. Probably not. I'm just going to assume no from now on. I'm going to assume that if it's awesome, Josh probably hasn't seen it. <laughs> Does feel like we should make it a prerequisite for managerial positions? Is like a good familiarity with the work of Mel Brooks and uh, Leslie, Leslie, what? What's his last name? Nielsen? That's what I was going to say, but it sounded wrong to me. Yeah, that, that doesn't <laughs> sound right to me either. Leslie Nielsen. Oh. Uh, wait, no. <clears throat> nope. Wait, yes. Yes, it is him. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow, 1980. 1980. Airplane? Yeah. Airplane is 32 years old. Still holds up. You want to talk a little bit about the stuff that's happened with iOS 7 since we talked last? Yeah, big week. Big week. Really big week. Tons of awesome articles. Just like, holy crap. My Instapaper queue is just like completely full of super awesome iOS seven articles on stuff that like, I just hadn't had a chance to look into. Most of them are written by Ash Furrow, which is kind of annoying. (laughs) I kind of feel like if you have an iOS seven article that you want to write, you should probably write it now because Ash is only releasing one of these every day. That's it. Only one, one one a day. And so slacker. Yeah. I think he has them all written, but they're only... So it's Tien and Lex, which is how I'm going to say that company name because I have no idea. Um, Sounds good to me. But they're releasing one of one of his articles every day. 
which means that you have a window to kind of like slip in. <laughs> right. Let someone else get a word in. Right. But so he has an article on, uh, there's a really awesome article just called adopting iOS seven APIs. Another one on UI motion effect. So getting that parallax stuff based on, um, the device orientation, which is awesome because I kind of looked into that a little bit, but like we said, with the NDA in place, I couldn't just like Google, how do I parallax? (laughs) 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 Right. (laughs) Right. So now I totally can. And I was like super happy that, um, you know, it's like, it's like to really do it, it's like four lines to kind of get a nice interpolating motion effect through. Um, it's ridiculously simple. Yeah. Like there's a lot of new API, but it's designed really well. Really like well. Everything that's new this year is it's like de- it's declarative and simple. And yeah, I think the transition, like think the transition stuff, everything I've read about the transition stuff is kind of. Yeah, the difficulty there though is that like the API is solid, but it's it requires more than like one component, right. and it's it's figuring out how these like two or three different things all come together to like aid in transitions. Right, and it's it there's like a bunch of protocols involved, and you have protocol ob, like objects that conform to protocols that return other objects that are conform to protocols. So it's all kind of you know you don't get the at least as far as I know, my super limited knowledge of this stuff. But you don't get like like what we're talking about with UI Table View Controller where you just you instantiate this thing and then here's a list of crap that you get for free from it, which is great. I mean, like it means you can be much more flexible with your transitions, but uh, maybe a little more overhead involved. Yeah, more than before. Right. It's exciting stuff. Yeah, it's really awesome. Um, so there's a bunch of articles from Ash that we'll link to. And then um, the guys at Double Encore have a whole, a really great, where the hell is their blog? I'm guessing doubleencore.com. Yes. It'll be they also have this thing called Google. Where you can just type in <laughs> words. It's, it's kind of like, um, I, I think your generation would call it like a Dewey Decimal system, but for the internet. Who's my generation? Your generation. Me? Aren't you 50? <laughs> no. No, oh. I'm, I'm not 50. My mistake. I'm sorry, Gordon. <laughs> thought you were a lot older than me. No. Apparently not. No, I'm not. So Double, <laughs> Double Encore has a whole um, iOS 7 developer's guide that's really great. They have articles on stuff that was finally added, like... I think it's supposed to be ironic quotes around finally, but um, just a nice overview stuff like attaching files to messages like iMessage messages, detecting AirPlay and current AirPlay route from the media player framework, barcode scanning, which we touched on. And then there's other articles on transitions and text kit auto layout updates. There's 11 articles here. Um, and they're all really awesome. I haven't had a chance to, well, I mean, I'm assuming they're all really awesome. The first like four are really awesome. I haven't had a chance to go through all of them. What do you think about the apps that have been coming out 
Is there anything that's been surprising you? They don't all look as similar as I thought they would. It seems common for them to go with a like a like a single flat color navigation bar, typically opaque, which surprised me. I, I yeah. think it's because it, it's hard to find. It's hard to get that color when the bar is translucent. Yeah. Like it's hard to get the color that matches your brand mm-hmm. and still have it be translucent. Like you have to find some darker value, more saturated, so that when it has that translucency applied, it like comes out to be the right color. I, I haven't seen a lot of redesigned. It seems like most of the apps are just skinned. You know, they, they've just gone in, they've extended the nav bar up behind the status bar, maybe changed some colors, changed some assets to be of a lighter weight, like the you know, toolbar button items and stuff like that. But nothing that really stands out. I've also been a little disappointed with the icons. I think the only one that that really went out on a limb is Foursquare. And I know you, you didn't you didn't like I it. don't it's not that I didn't like it. I just, you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on it one way or the other. It's fine. Hmm. I don't know. I don't I really don't have an opinion on it. Yeah, nothing really wowed me. I did really like um like you're talking about how most apps even the ones, even a lot of the ones that Apple's touting as like designed for iOS seven, they kind of are still designed for iOS six, but with an iOS seven nav bar, right? Yeah, which is backwards. Like all Apple was saying at WWDC is redesign for seven and then backport your design to right. six, if at all. But it's, I think it just came down to not having enough time. What was it like a hundred days from the first beta to when iOS seven shipped? Yeah. And Apple themselves hasn't haven't even updated their App Store apps, right. the, the design of them anyway, like right. podcasts. I mean, iBooks, Find My Friends, nothing. Yeah, it's also like we've I, I, I've said this before, but it's like a completely new paradigm. Um, at least it has the possibility to be a completely new paradigm, right? Like most of the apps are same paradigm, new paint, but like you have the opportunity to do something completely new and so i think that's a big jump right like trying to rethink your app away from like using a nav bar for example right is i think that's that's tough or at least away from using kind of a nav bar and like a navigation controller as the main mode uh or the main consistent visual element because everything is still kind of doing the Left to right, pan, 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 kind sure, of stuff. Sure. You know, even yeah. the even the I mean, and they, there's there's apps out there that look really really awesome. I'm not hating the iOS seven stuff. I'm really happy that people are going with colored, still using colors in their apps. I was trying to figure out who said this before, and I'm kind of depressed that they couldn't. But someone on my my Twitter feed um, coined the phrase "chicken shit white." Which I thought was awesome. <laughs> Is that in reference to just not just yeah, just not just theming or tinting your nav bars or anything? And just, yeah, and just having like a white screen with a white nav bar and like you know, some accent colors. <laughs> it works well if you have lots of content that's not white. Right. That's not text and it's like full of photos and stuff, then right. yeah, that's great. Right go white or go black yeah totally but but i have been happy with how much color there has been um 
I think Twitterific did a really good job. I did too. I, I it it surprised me at first, honestly. Yeah, um, I was happy to be back. I had to switch to Twitter for a bit mm-hmm. because in some of the later betas, Twitterific was just. I mean, it wasn't designed for iOS seven at that point, so like it's going to have problems, and I, I don't fault them for this at all. But it was very laggy. Yeah. Like I tried to scroll, and it would just stutter like even, crazy. Even typing on like some oh, of the last man. betas, it would be you'd hit a button. And then he'd click. Yeah, I I wonder what caused that because I I mean other apps yeah. didn't seem to have that problem. It's just they were doing something that iOS seven did not like. Yeah, I'm not sure. But the new one is so fast. Like when I'm scrolling, I think it's I don't know how they did it, but it feels like it's scrolling at like 120 frames per second. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. yeah. And then they're using the backgrounding stuff the way I'd assume they were going to use it, but it's it's working really well in terms of like automatically loading your tweet your your feed in the background so that every time you open the app there's new content there if there's new content available and it's not like open the app refresh wait for it to download that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it still surprises me every time. I mean, there's other apps that are doing that too. Obviously, um, I think basically every Twitter and app.net client at this point are doing it. But so like I'm using Twitterific and repost for app.net and repost is doing the same thing. So it's kind of this, it's been a lot of, it's been surprising every time I open my phone or I open one of those apps that it's just, it's up to date already. And I don't have to like wait that few seconds for it to get up to date. Yeah. And no discernible, you know, battery hit. Right all of this like right. it, my phone is still just like my phone like it might even be a little better yeah i am also coming off the betas where i just had horrible battery lo- like i've had essentially horrible battery life since i i know you had better luck with it but i've had just god awful battery life ever since wwdc um like having to charge my phone at least another full charge at some point during the day and since the you know, official version that hasn't been the case. It's been super solid. Yeah. What do you think about apps that are trying to fake the blur effect? I haven't seen too many. I did notice that the Kindle app is using, it's kind of like a cousin to the basement menu. Does it work like the one in the magazine where it comes over the top? Yeah. Yeah. And it blurs the content behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Nystrom are you going to talk about the like the blurring, like 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 bringing like a blurred view out and yeah. faking it? Yeah, he's got he's got a couple good articles that he wrote, I think, on his blog. Yeah, he has one on live blur in iOS seven, and he did this. Uh, he did a thing called RN Frosted Sidebar. It is essentially the same thing that that. Um, it's essentially the same thing that Kindle, the Kindle app is doing where it has like a little, a little semi transparent sidebar that blurs the content behind it. And it slides in with the same kind of menu as a basement, you know, got the little hamburger menu and you click on it and the sidebar pops over. And I think it looks nice. I actually like it more than I like the basement menu for some reason. I'm not sure why. I mean, it's essentially the same concept, but maybe it's just cause it's new and shiny and, not dark and hidden away yeah yeah and very performant the way he's doing it 
So instead of bringing over a transparent view and doing some sort of like core image filter or something at every step of the way, he snapshots the current view, applies the blur once, draws it into the view, and then just changes the... um, So if it's coming in from the left, he has the content mode set to, to left, and then he's just changing the width of the view. Yeah. So as he's changing it, it's always going to start drawing from the very left set of pixels over to the right. And so as you're expanding the view, it's not going to try to scale or anything. It's just drawing more and more of this image, and you get the effect of it blurring over the background when that's right. not really the case. Right. And so the it's it's performant, and it looks awesome. The downside is that it's not live like Apple is doing, which kind of sucks. I, I kind of wish they would have given us a good way to... You know, I mean, just somebody blur, had meant blur thing. Somebody had mentioned that that they're doing some really low level stuff that, if they made available to us, could put possibly be a a security problem. Oh, geez, really? Because they're like like bolting on to the GPU buffer, uh, and so I I'm not really that well versed in hardware, but yeah, I believe people on the internet. <laughs> what do you think about this? Uh, this new thing that Apple dropped on us that we can we can have like a fallback version for devices that are not compatible with our latest version of an yeah. application. I I feel like I've been having constant conversations on Twitter about this. I think it's awesome-ish. <laughs> like I think it's really great. I really do. Um, I think it kind of it it makes going iOS 7 only, specifically going iOS 7 only, it makes that easy easier, right? It doesn't solve the problem, but it at least makes it easier. The problems I see with it are, one, like, why the hell? We should have known about this three months ago. Like, if they would have said, it, WWDC and the months since WWDC would have been completely different if Apple at WWDC would have said, here's iOS 7, oh, and by the way, if people try starting, you know, when iOS seven drops, when people try to download your app, they can download the previous version, you know, compatible versions for their OS, even if you know you've moved past that one. Right. If if they would have said that, then you know, client conversations that you and I have both had in the past three or four months would have been different. People's approach to the new apps would have been different. We probably would have seen a lot more apps go seven only. Way if they, more. If they Way knew more. that they could keep you know some old version around for their 6.0 users totally the and so then the only problem with it was that when they announced it you couldn't specify like it was just the last possible version that was updated for that or that was available was compatible with that operating system right so the very last one that you submitted that was compatible with iOS 5 for example that was the one users could get and then they actually backtracked on that, right? And they allowed you to say, um, don't make this specific, don't make these these versions available. But you still run into the problem. It's like, again, like we, none of those old versions were intended to be final versions. Like they were all just steps in the development process. Like there's all, there's, there's inherently a version after those. So they may have bugs that weren't, update you know that were never fixed they may have api compatibility problems with your server or another services server stuff like twitter like 
there there was a bunch of people that are like, well, what if my Twitter app that is iOS seven only is this the six point version is hooked up to the one you know Twitter version one point which is no longer supported, you know? Yeah. I don't know how to solve that without I mean, just not getting rid of old versions of your API. Just versioning and just leaving leaving them around. But Well, I mean the way the way they the way you can get fix it now so that was a problem before. I mean, I guess now you could just say like, no, none of these old versions are supported. Like you could just essentially turn it off for your app. Right. I think it'll be interesting to see how people use that going forward. Like will we see more people that do a couple like if we had known about this since WWDC, theoretically we could have spent the past three or four months just doing bug fix updates, right? And making sure that six the six point version, the latest version on six point is just rock solid. Um, and as forward compatible as we can realistically make it. And then you at the same time develop an iOS seven only version. And so like drop them within a couple days of each other. So the iOS six version comes out, people can always get that. And then when iOS seven launches release iOS seven version. Do you think that if people had known this sooner, they would not have created separate binaries for their 7.0 version. Cause I've been seeing that a lot. I think that's a, financial like a business financial thing i don't think that was i I don't think that would have been infected no because if you don't create a different binary then you don't get that upgrade revenue well right but okay so so you're saying you think because they spent so much time um recreating it for 7.0 that they just want to get paid yeah i i would yeah i don't i don't fault anyone that released uh, ios omnifocus i dropped 20 bucks on omnifocus 2 for ios like the second it hit the app store, you know, just without even thinking. Well, it looks yeah. great too. So it, yeah, that helps. Yeah. They, I think they, they're, they're a great example. Their app's pretty white, but they, I think they're a great example of like, at least just really trying to rethink their UI, you know? Yeah. It's, you put the two screenshots of those two apps, OmniFocus 1.X and OmniFocus 2.X for iOS for, for iPhone. Um, you put them next to each other and they look nothing alike. They don't even look like the same app. Yes, yeah. insane. And I'm really enjoying OmniFocus too. But I've also given them I think I think that makes 150 bucks <laughs> that I sent them, you know, just for various versions of OmniFocus. That doesn't include like I think I own OmniGraphle and you know. Yeah. They know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to see what Tweetbot's going to look like. Oh, uh, I know. That's going to be crazy. Yeah. They were so reliant on the skeuomorphism and the you know dark colors and shadows. I don't possibly see how they can like maintain their identity and not look out of place. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, I trust those guys in terms of design and stuff. You know, oh, what I mean, like, yeah, for sure. It's either going to be mind blowing or it's going to be like complete letdown, just like super depressing. Did you see the email this morning from the FlexiBits guys. They're releasing a new version of Fantastical. Yeah. It's designed for 7.0. New binary. Yep. Do you have to pay again? Yeah, I'll pay for it. Like you will, but do you think most people are going to want to pay for it again? I mean, the first one only came out less than a year ago. I think the – no, I mean, everyone always complains. You know, normal people always complain about having to pay for a thing a second time. Even though you're not paying for a thing a second time, you're paying for a new thing. Like that's that's the – 
terminology that I think has to be used more is you're not, you're not paying, you know, it's an upgrade, but you know, it's, it's, it's worth the, our, our work, like you and I professionally and everyone in our field, like our work is worth money. And so I really feel strongly that we should get paid for upgrades to that work. I think there's too much entitlement in customers. Yeah. Not to make them all sound like, not to make normal people sound like kind of whiny little children or whatever, but um, it it just comes from a place of not understanding what kind of work goes into creating an app. Totally. There was a comment from someone on Twitter that someone left a, a review on the app store that essentially was like, this is great, but you should have an iPad version. It only takes like 20 minutes. If you know what you're doing, you should get on that. (laughs) I want to slap that guy. As someone who spent six weeks porting a simple app to the iPad once. Obviously you don't know what you're doing. Apparently not. I'm just an idiot. Right. But so I think, I think actually the, the bigger problem, the problem that's bigger than just having, than getting pe- people not being willing to um, pay the upgrade. Honestly, the, the the bigger problem I see is is letting kind of normal people, non technical people, know about the upgrade. Right. So like you have OmniFocus and you have OmniFocus too. My mom, for example, she doesn't use OmniFocus, but say she, my mom uses OmniFocus and she is using the 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 app and the app just stops being updated for her. She never sees any updates. She doesn't she doesn't know. She doesn't follow their blog. She's not on the newsletter. She doesn't follow them on Twitter, right? So my mom has no idea. And OmniFocus can't reach out to her specifically because they don't have her contact information because she's Apple's customer, not OmniFocus Omni the Omni Group's customer. So how do you get those people, the people that would probably be willing to pay you again, but may not know about your product. How do you get them to know that there's an update and it's available in the app store, but like you have to go search for it again and buy it again and download it again. Explaining that process and getting that knowledge out there seems harder than convincing people to pay. Right. My first instinct would be to advertise it in the old app, but if the old app is working for them, and they don't care that they're not getting updates because it continues to work yeah. as they need it. I don't. I don't even think an ad in there would compel them to buy the new version. Like it would have to be really compelling. Like you'd have to have new features, or like something that's going to provide value to them. That's what it comes down to, right? Is like users don't want to spend money on something that's not going to provide more value than the old application already did. Right. Like it needs to be like a one hundred percent increase in value to justify another purchase at the same price point. Right, right. And in most cases, reskinning the app is not enough. Like as reader is discovering, I mean, they're somehow still pulling off four star reviews, but there are a lot of reviews in there. They're just like nothing's changed. You haven't added anything. Yeah, you reskinned it, and I'm sure a lot of work went into that. And he wants to get paid, but the, it, the users don't see it. Well, and, and they also don't see the fact that it's a universal app, right? So Reader 2 is universal between iPad, isn't it? I'm not sure, actually. I I don't read RSS. What is this, 2006? <laughs> hey, I use... I don't use RSS. I use Net Newswire. <laughs> I have this thing called Twitter now. Oh, yeah. Twitter's my RSS. 
Yeah, it's universal. So Reader 2 is universal. Like, that's a decent amount of work, right? Like, it was two binaries, and it really seemed like it was two separate code bases, honestly. Well, like, Well, no, because apparently users think that an iPad yeah. version only takes 20 minutes. No, right. Maybe wrap this one up. Yeah. Make a concerted effort to not talk about iOS 7 at a general level next week. Yes. <laughs> we'll get back to talking about real things. Right. Real in-depth stuff. All right. Um, so there's going to be a bunch of show notes for this one, I think. Uh, and so the show notes for this episode will be available at learn.thoughtbot.com slash build phase slash nine. Uh, we always want to hear from you. So we are available on app.net and Twitter at thoughtbot, or you can send us an email build phase at thoughtbot.com. And this episode was produced by Chad Pytel recorded and edited by Mike Manor. <laughs>